On this week's Graze the Rim, we do a deep dive into where the Warriors are and where they should be going in the future. As they are a surefire play-in candidate, we look at other teams in the play-in field and some matchups we think we might see. Then, as always, we finish with Splash or Pass. It's a good episode, so lock up your dogs. We're back. We are live. Welcome to the Graze the Rim podcast. And if this is your first time listening, from all of us here at Graze the Rim, thank you for tuning in. Uh, Seth, you might have noticed that I used the word all to describe you and me in that last sentence. From all of us here is what I said. So yeah. so with that in mind, and knowing that you and I are both born and raised in the United States, I can say without lying, welcome to an NBA podcast hosted by all American basketball players. That is right. That's Nothing I said there is technically untrue. So again, this that is this is Grays Run Podcast. It's the NBA podcast. Uh, I'm Robbie Thomas, joined by Seth Curran, and we're going to start off before we talk about NBA, talk about things related to the NBA, or maybe unfinished threads from last week. And and I know you have some stuff, but I'm dying to check in. You brought up last week there was some Twitter drama on Lakers Twitter from a potential catfish from a Lakers Twitter personality, Vivian is her name, and, and I'm wondering if there's any updates for us. Yeah, what a what a just odd story. Uh, it's kind of died down quite a, quite a bit, unfortunately. Uh, we're left with a lot of answers. Now the latest thing is, where we left off is a guy named Josh Toussaint. They think he was running a Twitter account um, for, a, for a woman named Vivian, and that he was catfishing people, trying to get uh, listeners for his podcast. His ulterior motive right there. But Josh remains to this day persistent that he does not run his Twitter account. But the latest development is Vivian posted a video of her with a sign with her name on it. Now, on Twitter, her name is spelled V-I-V-I-A-N. And in this picture, that she's in the, the piece of paper she's holding with her name on it, it's spelled with an E-N at the end. Uh, so that just caused more drama. <laughs> but uh, But Josh's friend... A man by the name of Walid. He 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 was with Josh when Josh went live to prove that he was a real person. Uh, but people believe that that Vivian might actually be run by Walid because in a text or a thread between Josh and Walid, Walid spells Vivian with an E-N. And that is some real detective work right there. Yeah. So 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 I understand this correctly. The people have been asking Vivian to go live to prove they're a real person. She's a real person. Correct. So finally, from the Vivian account, a woman went live holding up a piece of paper, like to say, I am Vivian. And so right. she wrote like Vivian as her name on the paper to prove it's her. But she spelled it wrong. She spelled it differently how it's spelled on her Twitter on account. On her Twitter right? account. Correct. And then so people connected that to this Josh guy's friend because when they were live, a text thread between them like went out or was leaked mm-hmm. somehow that showed that the friend spells Vivian the same way incorrectly. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Wow. Good job, Twitter sleuths. That is some yeah. detective work. That's some Pepe Sylvia stuff that I'm here for. <laughs> so, yeah, who knows what the hell is going on there. Uh, and honestly, who cares? People like you and me, that's who. I do. Yeah, that's true. Why do I care? I don't know, but I'm interested. I'm invested. Um, people also, I, I brought up last week how... They had a podcast together, Vivian and Josh. Yeah. People also believe that 
they they pitch down the other voice of the podcast, like so Vivian's voice. They pitch up. Sounds they make it. Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry. No, like somebody pitched it Vivian's voice down, and it's apparently I don't have anything to back this up, but apparently sounds a lot like Waleed's voice. So Waleed just pitches his voice up. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> okay. Wow, That's yeah. the word on the street. It might yeah. be the, the, the Scooby-Doo as villain has been unmasked then, huh? Is what we might be looking at. <laughs> but the question now is, does Josh know? Has this guy been behind Josh's oh, back this entire that's time? that's a good question. <laughs> that is a good question. I'm may, sure he has. We may never know the answer. <laughs> I have something else I wanted to bring up uh, before we start getting into basketball. So, Logan Martin plays our outro song. If you haven't listened to it, stay for the end of the podcast just for this one reason. I listened to it and said, I don't know what you, when I listen back to the podcast, I listen all the way through every time. Yes, because it makes me laugh. Because yes, it's funny. Yes, yes, yes. But for whatever reason, this last time, I, I was caught by some lyrics of him. And in the song, Nelly's song, he says, tell me I ain't worthy. I ain't talking about a jersey. I'm talking about income. So like a James Worthy jersey, right? Yeah. And now Logan Martin in the picture on YouTube, like the picture when his his song plays, you know, yeah, um, he's wearing like a Georgia football jersey, right? So I'm assuming he's from Georgia. Yeah, I mean, now that's fair. I'm assuming Logan Martin is not the brightest human on earth. So in the song he says, "Tell me I ain't worthy. I ain't talking about Georgia. I'm talking about income." Thinking that Nelly is saying, "Oh, New Jersey." <laughs> yes. <laughs> That is so funny. when you when you listen to the song and he says, "Tell me I ain't worthy. I ain't talking about Georgia." Uh, be on the lookout for that. Okay, that's good. <laughs> I like let me bring this up. My favorite lyric change is um, so he changes almost no lyrics. One of the ones is is like at one point Nelly stops and says his own name. Like it's like they scream in my name. It says Nelly, so yeah. he changes it to Logan, which obviously makes sense. But the other one that I noticed is at some point Nelly says. I'm young, black, and rich as good as it gets. <laughs> and so he changed it to I'm young, white, and rich as good as it gets. He's a white dude. I just I the I love how the connotation for that line switches. Completely from, changes. You know yeah. What I mean? yeah, that's really funny. Good job bringing that up. It's you, you pick up things. You know, you you listen yeah. to it enough, you pick up new layers of subtlety that you just it makes you appreciate it more and more. Layers of artistry. I think it's artistry. Exactly. Exactly. On his part. Do you have anything else you want to bring up before we start talking basketball? No, 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 no. That's it. Okay. Doing Let's good. talk about some basketball. Yeah. Um, this week, we got the Bucks beating the Sixers two times. What do you think about that? Yeah, big. Does this mean anything? Big, uh, well, big swing. You know, the the top of the East is a three-team race and that the, the three have separated themselves. And and a lot of the narrative has been that it's a race between the Sixers and the Nets, but the Bucks are right there. I think they're... I think they're three and a half or maybe mm-hmm. three games back, but they do. They play the Nets twice later in the season. So, right. I, I mean, they're, we haven't really talked about the Bucks like at all this year of the, you know, of the good teams. We haven't mentioned them much. Uh, I'll, how about, do you have anything nice to say about the Bucks? I'll mm. say something nice. Uh, mm. I think Drew Holiday is great. Oh, that is, that, that's he, an understatement. Yeah. As, as the playoffs come around, I think he'll be their second most important player. He is just, relentless defensively. It's just the type of guy that you would hate to play against or would hate to have guarding you. I mean, he will guard Kevin Durant if they match up. That's the crazy... Like, yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Makes him so valuable. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, my uh, nice thing is I'm a, I'm a uh, big Chris Middleton fan. I think he's very underrated, mm-hmm, so that's my yeah. one nice thing to say about okay. him. Okay. He's good, too. Yeah, that's good. Um, well, Sixers, I do have a few things. So, four straight losses they have, these two included. The four straight loss... Embiid was a late stre- late scratch in the second 
game of versus the Bucks. Simmons missed all four games mm-hmm. that they lost. Which begs the question, Seth. This year, the Sixers are nine and ten without Joel Embiid. They are five and seven without Ben Simmons. So a worse win percentage. So is Joel Embiid the MVP when he's not maybe the most viable player on his team? Wow, clearly not. You know, statistics. I did say I did see that uh, Joel Embiid was asked about MVP, and uh, he said, "I've been going out here like dominating all every game this season." And someone replied, uh, "So by every, you mean?" What exactly? <laughs> I mean, he's missed so many games. He's missed a third of the season. <laughs> exactly. That's I, don't, I don't. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear a peep from Embiid about how he should win the MVP. Uh, One, he hasn't played, and two, when he's missing a second best player, they can't win. Like this yeah. is a huge series of games for them to get the one seed, and they can't win games. The one, whoever gets the one seed is the lucky team. You yes. Know? Um, so the, for the Sixers, they should be working hard to get that one seed because yeah. they're going to need it. Well, they, the good news for them is. They have the easiest schedule in the league going forward. They have no more games against like the actual contenders. The only mm-hmm. teams they play with the winning records are the Hawks and the Spurs for the rest of the year. So there's it's you know, it's not I think they have like a dozen or fifteen games left, something like that. And it's not improbable that they go like, you know, twelve and two or or yeah. something like that that they yeah. they should be looking to. I do love one more thing is that, that Ben Simmons has missed four I think it's five games now that he's confirmed out, uh, with an illness. Just a, it's, it's definitely not COVID, just a mysterious, unspecified illness. So maybe rack the old medical textbooks to figure out what it could be. There's something in the water in Philadelphia. That's, that's what I'm saying. Not COVID, though. Definitely not COVID. <laughs> that's, that's the one thing we know for sure. Um, let's see. Was something kind of similar to the... There was another back-to-back wins for teams battling for playoffs. Uh, Memphis beat Portland in Portland back-to-back. Uh, and this is huge for... Well, for both teams, actually, but... Uh, Memphis quietly has been surging up the standings. They're, they sit uh, in eighth place right now, right behind uh, Portland, just a game behind, and they play again uh, this week. So if they win that, the uh, uh, Grizzlies look like in a great position. Jaron Jackson Jr. finally made his Good debut. Good God, yeah. Um, and it was wonderful. I mean, he scored 23 points in, his de- in that first game against Portland. Yeah. Memphis is going to be a tough team. Yeah, thanks too. I my Favorite player on Memphis, not favorite player, but a guy I love to watch is uh, Valanciunas. Do you know Valanciunas? Oh, God, yeah. Because he oh, looks yes. like he is the most, like, I just mentioned this, but trying to, like, play against him, and that he just bangs around inside yeah. defensively. That He's just a big, like, like a classic 90s physical center, but uh, he can shoot threes. So he's, yeah, he's he, not just a 90s center. He uh, dominates on the boards, and it's not like he's jumping, out-jumping people for rebounds. It's the tip it around until he can finally out-muscle whoever <laughs> he's right. fighting yeah, yeah, with. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Yeah. I love that. Uh, I, so, yeah, look out for Memphis here. Yeah, I'm, I I guess we'd talk about Portland for a bit. Yeah. Five um, straight losses from Portland, by the way. Yeah, it's, it's uh, what do we do with Portland? That, that you know, there's, it, it feels like it's looming that Terry Stotts is going to be fired. Yeah. For no other reason, I think, than the team is running out of things to change. Right. You know? That they don't have picks, they don't have really any assets to trade. So one day, I'm going to write a book, my magnum opus, about how hard it is to win when your best player is not a plus defensively. Because that is yeah. a philosophy that I wholly believe in, I think doesn't get mentioned enough. I was just, I was thinking about it before the pod. Like right now, like going down the list of like the power ranking of best teams, like what what's the first team you get to where their best player isn't like a negative defender? You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Like thinking like the East, the top three in the East are all great on both sides of the ball. They're best players. The Jazz, I mean, if Donovan Mitchell is a stretch, I mean, he's not a great defender. He's not terrible, but then you have the defensive player of the year behind him. So that covers up for a lot of things. Right. The, I mean, that's Chris the, Paul is fantastic. Defensively. Yeah, yeah. I would think, like what Jokic, but he's not bad. You get down to you get down to Luca. Like that's how far you get. I think. Uh, yeah, I think so too. Yeah, that's just. I mean, it's just kind of written that if if and think about how you know in not infrequent it is that you get a great team where their best player isn't great defensively, like like the Warriors, you know, the prime Warriors, but they surrounded them with two all like they surrounded Curry with two all NBA defenders. Oh, yeah, you know what I mean, right? The most famous shot in the last ten years is is Kyrie over Curry, which how much of an anomaly that is that you as the Cavs wanted the other team's best player to get yeah. switched on to your guy to shoot. Like that doesn't <laughs> happen. Do you know what I mean? That's the outlier. The Blazers are living in the what's the opposite of outlier? In the the inlier. Whatever. The Blazers are living <laughs> the more popular version of that where you have a great offensive player. Well, actually, two great offensive players. Yeah, they don't help you defensively, and when you don't surround them with all NBA defensive talent, which because that's really hard to do, but when you can't surround them with great defensive talent, then there's the team's just not very good. Because I mean, the Blazers are the second worst defensive team, and mm-hmm. the only reason they're not the worst is because the Kings are having an all time. Oh my god! I think it's I think they're having the worst defensive year in NBA history in terms. I know of they numbers. were at one point. I don't know if that's if that's still well, up, sidebar yeah. for the Kings. How letting? How do they let Bogdanovich walk for nothing? Like what a terrible Kingsley thing to do. Like you could have Dante DiVincenzo. Not that that's a lot, you know. Not that that, that changes your franchise, but it's something. It's just, I mean, you, you can't. If you say if you're a small market team, you can't let twenty point per game scores just walk out the door when they're twenty seven, twenty eight years old. It's gonna be interesting to see what Darren Fox does. Like, does he want to try to stick around and see if something changes, or is he gonna be the next guy that says this just isn't for me? That's yeah. I'm not I'm not wasting can, my career here. I can see it. Uh, but back to uh, you know Portland. They're terrible defensively. They don't have a great assist rate. They and it's hard to be too critical because they've they've had bad injuries most of this year. Okay. Kind of last year the same thing. But even so, like when they're healthy, they're not a finals threat. Like they're they're a threat oh, to no. win it. Like you know at the beginning of the season, if you would have told me the Blazers are going to win a playoff series, I wouldn't have been that surprised. But I also would have been equally not surprised that they would miss the playoffs altogether. Do you know what I mean? That they're just, they don't have that right. high of a ceiling when they're healthy. So it's hard to blame it too much on injuries. And I just, I, we've said all year they have a negative net rating that they just kind of been outplaying teams in clutch that Damian Lillard has been great. And then when he's not great or he's not great in the clutch, they lose games. Like this isn't mm-hmm. a, this shouldn't be too much of a surprise, but it's, it's concerning for sure. And like with Memphis, they're, they've just kind of flip, flip up spots. One's trending up, one's trending straight yeah, down. Yeah, that's true. Um, another thing that happened this week, uh, per usual, the Pelicans lost in hilarious fashion. This one wasn't necessarily so funny as just that they had a lead again um, against the Suns. The Suns ended up winning 110-108. So here's a, here's a stat for you. The Pelicans are 26-34, and 34, but they would be 36-24 and 24 if games ended at the three-minute mark. So God, that's hilarious stat. <laughs> that's like the isn't the NFL the Chargers, aren't they always that team? That's like, like that, if you, uh, scores too early. Well no, like if you if it was like the Chargers were like they were like four and eleven or four and twelve one year, and if you flipped the record of every team like that lost by a touchdown or less. Like or if the score was a touchdown or less different, if you flipped it or so if they lost by six, they won you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they would be they would have been like thirteen and three or something like that. Like they just they lost every game close. 
Yeah. So that's uh, what this, this, the Pelicans are. Yeah, and they have uh, a league-leading 14 games they've lost after leading by 10-plus points. So that's, uh, that's never what you want. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Pelicans' season is, is over. It's been a – I mean, they, are, they have a Hail Mary chance to, to get into the play-in, uh, see what happens from there. But it's – especially with Zion making the remarks about love in New York, it's a tough time to be a Pelicans fan. <laughs> well, it's hard to be that sad because you do still have Zion. I, Seth, you've heard me be critical of Ingram. Yeah, I'm gonna be critical of Ingram some more. So it's okay. La- I think it was last week. I was I was upset yeah. with him getting in the way of Zion in the clutch, and so this was we we I called you yesterday because I could not figure out how usage rating works. I couldn't <laughs> figure it out. It was about the Pelicans. I didn't want to spoil it. Ooh. So usage rate is a percentage of either shots, assists, turnovers that a player has, a player themselves commits while they're on the floor. And that was that was the part I, I kept getting confused on, Seth, was that because I thought it's a percentage, so percentage of all of the actions that happen, so it should relatively round up to 100%, right? Not here. <laughs> well, two reasons why. One, because assists. So if a player gets an assist and a player... Another player shoots, shoots. obviously, yeah. that counts for usage rate. But more importantly, it just counts when they're on the floor. Yeah. So it's not so it's not gonna add up to hundred percent because there's more than five players playing at any given or for any given team. So it's only accounting for when they're on the floor, not a total percentage of the team's shots. That was the part I was getting confused by, but I figured that out now. <laughs> so anyway, so the reason I was looking at these stats. So in clutch situations for the Pelicans. Which for the nineteenth time, a clutch situation is I say it like I'm mad at you, I'm reiterating. <laughs> for those that don't know, it's the last five minutes of a game where a score is within five points. Mm-hmm. So in clutch situations with the Pelicans this year, Zion accounts for ten percent more of the field goals scored than Brandon Ingram, while accounting for seven percent less of the shots attempted. So in other words, while Zion is on the floor, he takes, in clutch situations, he takes 27% of the team's field goals. He attempts 27% of the team's field goals and makes 38% of them. When Ingram is on the floor in clutch situations, he takes 34% of his team's field goals and makes 28% of them. Zion also has more assists and less turnovers in clutch time and more free throw attempts and free throws made. And they have similar, like Brandon Ingram has played in two more games that went to clutch situations than Zion, which, by the way, they lost both of those games. <laughs> which is all the, my eyes tell me Zion should be shooting more. The stats tell me Zion should be on the ball more. And like you said, if you're worried about Zion not liking it in New Orleans, one of the things that maybe you could alleviate that is by letting him do whatever he wants offensively. You'd think that would do it. Not only because that makes him happy, but it also statistically should help them win more. Yeah. The stats, the, yeah, the stats are alarming, honestly. Uh, <laughs> and just 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 watching, honestly, makes it makes you so frustrated because you see during the whole game, ah, oh, shit, they can't stop Zion going to the hoop. And then games get close and down the stretch, and they say, what if we take a mid-range jump shot uh, and not let Zion touch the ball? That's the most frustrating part. Yeah. Is the possessions where Zion gets zero touches late in games? Uh, it happens way too often. I mean, yeah, statistically, he's having a a percentage like prime Shaq in terms of his effective or his field goal percentage. And so, why are we not treating him like we treat Shaq, where we want him to touch the ball every time? Right. And but by the way, the reason that Shaq didn't touch the ball was because it was Kobe that was taking the mm-hmm. shots, not Brandon Ingram. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, he's a six seven Shaq out there. Anyway. 
let's move on here. Just last night, the two longest win streaks, current win streaks in the NBA were, were broken on the same night. Uh, the Spurs beat the Wizards 146-143 to 143 in overtime. Very high-scoring game. Um, and then the Suns also beat the Knicks 118-110 uh, um, in the Garden, snapping the Knicks' nine-game winning streak. Wizards had an eight-game winning streak. Both are now over, but both are great stories. The Wizards just have been on a tear lately. Uh, they're in the plane. How did that? How did we get here? You know. <laughs> yeah, it's first of all, you mentioned the the, the winning streaks being snapped. I want to point out or shout out uh, the Hoop Collective podcast because mm. on their episode from Monday afternoon, they talked about the three hottest teams of basketball, who were the Wizards, the Knicks, and the Clippers, and then that night all three teams lost. <laughs> So maybe if they could talk more about a potential Nets Clippers final, that would be great. That's fantastic. Yes. Okay. So the Knicks have kind of been the darling of the NBA for the last two, three weeks or so, but the Wizards have been like as successful. Yeah. And it is. What's crazy is that they started off so bad in the season. They're still like what, like six games below five hundred yeah, after the seven games under five hundred. I just yeah, they're they're fun to watch. Russ looks good. He is yeah, it looks was, healthy. Is it was yeah. yeah, it was really easy to rag on him with mm. you know his slow start and as bad as they were. Since the Ulster break, he's put up twenty three, twelve, and twelve <laughs> while averaging. He's shooting forty five percent of the field with better than a two and a half to one assist turnover ratio. Also, he is number one in the league on clutch field goal percentage. Yeah. So whoa, good for him. Uh, but he's played great. He looks good. Bradley Beal, I think he just came out and like raved about Russ as a teammate, which is fun to yeah. see. Which I think everyone has done. You know, no, no one That's has true. That to is true. Russ. That's true. I do like talking about this win streak. You know, this is the longest Wizards win streak in, I think it was twenty years, which is longer than any win streak John Wall had. You mean my guy John, John Wall? That's didn't right. Do it? Prime John Wall won seven games. Was his max win streak? Yeah, that's not bad. But Russ in one season <laughs> has done better. So uh, good for him. Uh, rip Danny Advia. Advia. Uh, yeah, the, uh, it was a yeah. fractured ankle. That's too bad. He yeah. wasn't very good. But um, there, He was seriously the guy that, that you would just be like, oh, yeah, he's out there. Uh, yeah, he's on the team. <laughs> he does have an him? out there vibe about him. <laughs> Speaking of guys, uh, I love Ish Smith for no reason that uh, he has an all-time like recognizable body type and like the way he moves. Yes. Like You could pick yes. him out of any amount of group of people or just the way he looks. Um, uh, do you have anything else, Wizards? Yeah, Brad Beal, unreal. Yeah, he's good. Uh, he's good. He had 45 last night. The dude just gets, just gets buckets. Like, that's what he does. Uh, and he's starting to get a little more consistent with his three, which started out pretty rough this year. Thanks for clicking at the right time. Mm. It's not necessarily a endorsement of the Wizards, but just that. I mean, they've been good. You know, they could win. They could, What's preventing them from beating the Pacers in the 9-10 matchup um, and getting a chance to play in the playoffs? Nothing. Right. But... Like I mentioned, my new favorite player every week, uh, Dino Gafford. Yeah, the backup center yes. right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the dude just has so much energy on the court. He is super athletic, kind of like the like a stringier center. You know, not like the not the Jonas Valanciunas. Right. He's the opposite of that, but just makes plays on both ends of the floor. Contests every shot at the rim. He's not afraid to get dunked on, uh, but he'll he'll also send a lot of shots away at the rim. But then he's also great at. At uh, like on the other end, great for dump offs from Russ to finish at the rim. Yeah, he. I've moves, been really pleased with him. He moves so well without the ball, and mm-hmm. Russ is just like feeding on that. Yeah, so he came. He was like a last minute trade deadline from Chicago, right? Was it Chicago? Yeah, 
Yep. And just like a total footnote trade. And he has been great for the Wizards. It's he like is, the Mo Wagner trade. Like, and he, yes, part yeah, of that. yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's only 22 years old, and he does not shoot threes, but he, like, watching him shoot free throws, he's got really nice looking yeah. for him. So look out for him to become a three-point shooter. I just, it, I mean, with Robin Lopez is their traditional backup, and Alex Lynn has been starting at center, and I just, I don't know why there's not more minutes for Daniel Gafford. I'm hoping that changes, but we'll see. Right, right, right. That's all I have. All the games. Recap. All right, so we're going to move on to the main story. And and if we, you listened last week, you we, know we plugged that it. we're talking about the <laughs> We plugged it last week. This is our obligatory Warriors talk that we, we promised last week. So the Warriors are currently, whatever the record is, like 500, right? Like 30 and 31, 31. 31 and 30. Above 500. Sitting Good at the 10 them. seed. Yeah, but more importantly is that they're bad. And not to say <laughs> that they're bad, but they are, you know, two years removed from five straight finals and one year removed from... Being the worst team in the league, having a lot of injuries. They get Steph back. He's playing like an MVP, but they're not winning games. So what did we want to do, Seth? Talk about the Warriors. But specifically, yeah. like where they are now, where they should go, where they might be going. Where we're going. Just kind of, just kind of the, the state of the union for the Warriors. Yeah, let's start with currently. Um, I'm just going to I'm gonna dive in here for a sec. Jump in. Um, Steph's incredible. Yes. Steph Curry is one of the greatest players I've ever watched uh, play basketball. All right, let's move on. What else do we have? <laughs> oh, I did actually. Wow, for, for Curry. Uh, that was a good joke. I kind of ruined your steam. I like that. <laughs> but well, I was going to mention for Curry. So it was his 11 straight games of at least 30 points. It came yeah. to an end the other day. Interestingly, it's it wasn't 11 straight Warriors games. He sat out a game, which happened to be the game they lost the Raptors by 90 points. Remember that? <laughs> but he didn't play. Like, he didn't dress. So obviously it doesn't count. What I think, so the game that he, the streak snapped, uh, played against the Wizards, and he was 2 of 14 from 3. I was just so, going to bring this up. Yeah, so good for him for at least shooting. Like, not stop shooting. But I'll tell you, Steph, damn it. <laughs> we have very similar names. But yeah. I tell you, I, I have stopped reading Steph on my, on my notes. <laughs> I'll tell you, Seth, when I looked at his, because he's leading the league in three-point attempts, and looked at the games where he shoots the most threes, an interesting little trend came up. So in the nine games where he's attempted at least 16 threes this season, he's shot below 50% on those games only twice. Ooh. So in seven of the nine, and so of his nine most three-point attempted games, he's been above 50% seven of the nine times. In the 17 games, the next 17 games, so where he attempts anywhere from 12 to 15 threes, he shot below 50% 11 times. Wow. So it might just be a case where... He just, I mean, at below fifty percent, like that's a bad number, to right? Shoot 40%. But, <laughs> right. but, but it just his his big outpouring three point shooting games come just. It feels like just when he's feeling it is when he shoots more. That he he doesn't shoot as many threes if he's maybe not feeling it as much, which is interesting. Uh, interesting trend, I guess. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna bring up that right after we had said he needs to be taking like what did we say fifteen to twenty threes a game? Yeah, he comes out like that night shoots seven of twenty five and two of fourteen from three. <laughs> I would nail that. Yeah. Um okay. Let's let's talk about what the Warriors are right now. Tell me. Uh, because because it's Steph and it's and it's Draymond and I know you're going to you're going to you're going to hate part of this. I mean uh, they're combining for like 36 points a game. Those two. <laughs> so that's pretty good. Um but then we're surrounding them with Wiggins, Kent Bazemore, uh Kevon Looney, Kelly Oubre off the bench. And that's not a winning formula. 
surrounding Steph with people that uh, aren't great shooters. Um, Ubre Wiggins, Bazemore have been have shown they can knock him down, but never consistently. And then Kevon Looney, by God, he just I, I'm not sure he does anything. Uh, he's also a guy that you're just like, oh yeah, Kevon Looney's out there. Um, he's a good. He'll have occasional good rebounding game. Um, bangs around down low. Never he'll never explode uh, in a scoring way. Um, but is but is generally a positive on the defensive end. And I want to bring up the uh, James Wiseman injury. So we know that he's out for the year. To me, like in a vacuum, this makes the Warriors better for this season. I hate that he had to get injured. Like that sucks. But it's also a chance for him to sit Not and learn. Play. You know, sit and learn from his Hall of Fame teammates and just kind of see the game from a different perspective. But because it felt like when they were out there, they were trying to get him involved like too much. Like they weren't letting it happen naturally. They were trying to figure out what James Wiseman is good at. And it kind of took away from what the Warriors were good at. Uh, so, de- like, because defensively, Jesus Christ, it was all over the place. <laughs> uh, you didn- anybody could just attack him. So, it is weird that that I'm saying that. I don't like saying that, but I feel like it does make the Warriors better for this season and this season alone. Do you agree with that at all? Yeah, he was bad. Yeah. I don't think there's any there's <laughs> any two things about it. And he was bad, and he 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 didn't shoot a lot, but he shot more than he should. You know. Yes. And so, what are the? I don't remember. Like, doesn't this like Steph's incredible run like correlate to coincide to when Wiseman stopped playing? Yeah, yeah. I haven't looked. I should. It would not surprise me. I also wanted to bring up while we're here. I think we both shared this thoughts at draft time this year that we thought the best big man in the draft was Big O Onyeka. Oh, you well, yeah, we did. And I would just like to point out, even with Wiseman struggles, Okungo just can't crack the rotation. He's a project. <laughs> He's a project. I didn't say he was day one the best. I said he had potential. I was with you. I, I, I He's got energy. He's a good defender. And he's got, you know, he's got, there are good big men ahead of him. That's right. Yeah, he's playing behind Clip Capella. And then another thing that's that's kind of changed lately is they've moved Kelly Oubre to the bench off the second unit. This has allowed him, like, more freedom offensively to not just fit in next to Steph, but to kind of do some things when Steph's off the court, take on a little more uh, offensive responsibility. So he's, he's bumped his average up to 18 points a game coming off the bench in the last four, um, which is a good sign for Warriors fans. But here we go. Let's dive into what Draymond Green does, Robbie. <laughs> Don't tell me. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Okay. So we know about Draymond's defensive abilities because uh, he won't let you not know about that. But his offensive ability... It's so underrated. His playmaking, especially. Well, here's before we go any farther. I just I I have to caveat because I was going to talk about this with Steph, but okay. S- Steph and Draymond they don't play without the other. Yes, like the, Steph I, yes. doesn't play without Draymond. Draymond doesn't play without Steph. So it's 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 a little bit cheating when you look at the stats because it's like there's no you know with whatever Kawhi and Paul George, one of the guys is hurt a lot, but they play by themselves or they they split minutes so they don't play together so they can kind mm-hmm. of run with the bench units or. Spread out the minutes, but they're not doing it. like the Warriors are totally like they get criticized for having a bad bench, and they do. But they totally front load their best players. Like they don't try to stagger their best players. They play them together so that they're better when they're on the court, but also they're worse when they're off the court. Right, but I also think I just that I just I just want to keep that in mind. Well, I just yeah. want to keep that in mind that it's it's there's a little grain of salt, a little caveat with all of these things. Not right. necessarily, not necessarily a you know. A criticism or, or that it's not fair, but just something to keep in mind. Right. So when Steph is cooking, which right now is almost always, the Warriors are running just a very high ball screen, which gives Steph a lot of room to operate. 
Especially if his man gets clipped on the screen. That just gives him so much room to do what he wants. So at that point, the defense has to decide what they want the, want the man who is guarding the screener to do. So he can either fall back and stay in front of Steph until Steph, Steph's man can get back, which that's known as a drop, or they can send the screener's man to trap and attempt Steph to give it up, which is known as a blitz. So when Steph's on fire, you pretty much have to blitz because you need the ball out of Steph's hands. So when that's happening, if Draymond is the screener, and this includes dribble handoffs, which are also very effective with him. Uh, so when the blitz comes, Draymond is the man that's open. So Steph's able to dump it off to him quickly. Uh, and this is on the short roll, meaning he's not rolling all the way to the rim. He's not popping out for three. He's setting the screen, turning quickly, and looking for the ball right away. Now when he catches on the short roll, Draymond is playing four on three, and he's attacking downhill because the two guys are on Steph behind the play. So what Draymond does so great is he finds what the area of weakness is on the defense. So sometimes that's a shooter in the corner, pick and choose someone on the Warriors. Uh, it's probably wrong, probably not a shooter. Uh, but then also sometimes it's Wiggins or Juan Toscano cutting the hoop. And sometimes it's Looney catching a lob when his man steps up to stop Draymond. But whatever it is, Draymond always seems to make the right decision. Now he does rack up a lot of turnovers. Not necessarily on this though, more just Draymond being Draymond. But you don't get 19 assists in a game by accident, which he just did this past week. And for me, as bad as the Warriors are, the offense is still fun to watch. And it's also interesting, when Draymond catches the ball at the top of the key, teams are playing so far off of him. It's hilarious. It's yes. hilarious. But what this does, like, it gives him so much room to see the floor. It puts no pressure on the passing lanes. And then also, when, when Draymond catches it and nobody's near him, he can go set a dribble handoff with Steph and there's no help man. Like that's what that's what frees Steph up so much, and I don't understand how it keeps happening. Uh, that's all I want to talk about, Draymond, because it just it's so impressive to me. It is impressive, and it's there are very few guys in the league that probably could do it, but nobody else in the league gets a chance to do it. That's true because nobody there's, else gets twenty five four on threes a game. Yeah, I mean there is. I mean there's definitely I mean, like Nurkic will get it on once once Dame gets blitzed, but for a bigger guy, it's just it's hard to do. It is, and he's the perfect guy to be in that situation. Right. So for this season, I mean, it's a, it's a, the season's a total loss, no matter what happens. Yeah. Uh, it's another year of Steph and Draymond gone. They're still as effective as they've ever been, which is which is fantastic sight, especially Steph. Good Lord. God bless him. Um, <laughs> bless him. <laughs> making the playoffs this year would be a success for what they are, but like, I don't think they should be trying to make the playoffs. Uh, which is kind of kind of segue us in the future, unless you have anything uh, to add about this season. Uh, just the one thing is is um, I, I, I saw I watched a video. It was after the the earlier I mentioned the Toronto massacre where they mm-hmm. lost by sixty or whatever it was. Uh, it was from the Ringer, and your guy uh, Kevin O'Connor criticized Bob Myers in the front office for not ah. getting better players, for not you know ha- putting a better roster together. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, I don't. First of all, it's not fair to criticize. The last ten, like he put together the best team of all time. I mean, granted, <laughs> yeah. it might not have been necessarily that much of his work, but like they've been the best team of the last ten years. It's not even close. Like he put together a dynasty. All of a sudden, if one year the roster is a little underwhelming, like I don't know if criticism is fair. Right. But it, but it's it's they spent more time talking about how the Warriors' offense hasn't changed much with their new personnel. And that, it, that it's it's like that's not on the GM. Like like the GM's supposed yeah. to get players, but the coach is supposed to get. The players Fit to play, in the, yeah, yeah, exactly, and 
And it's, I mean, they, so they lost Clay and they, they went and made a move. They, they traded a pick and a giant trade exception to get Oubre. So it's mm-hmm. not like they're just sitting and watching. I think we're in a transition to the future, like you said. And I think that, that I don't think it's fair to criticize the front office yet. But this offseason is going to be a big one. But here we go. That's for, yeah, they, they are setting themselves up for criticism if they don't do something, is my opinion. Yeah, this is uh, – the way their team is structured is very interesting to me. Like there's just a lot of question marks. For me, biggest one obviously is Clay, one of the best shooters ever in a defensive stopper. However, he's coming off a torn ACL followed by a ruptured Achilles. Yeah, the two worst injuries in yeah. sports. Back to back, no like no game no live game time in between them uh, to work back. So he's working back from, you know, two devastating injuries. We don't know what it's going to look like. We don't know what he's going to look like. I would bet my home that the jumper's still going to look good, probably as good as ever, but who knows how he's going to move around, right? Yeah, yeah. So, it gets even more important when you consider the fact that he's set to make $43 million in the twenty in the 2023-2024 season. So, what is that, two seasons from now? Three yeah. Seasons? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's a lot of money to be paying a guy. That's all guaranteed money. And if and if he's not the Clay Thompson that he used to be, that's a lot of dead money just sitting there, you know? Yeah, that is, I mean, it's hard to be, like, you have to pay, you know, when Clay Thompson was like 28, 29, Needed the contract extension. You have to pay him whatever he wants because he's so good. Absolutely. And then it just turns out you lost the two. Like it's one of those contracts where you reap the benefits up front, and then on the later end, mm-hmm. you might end up paying for it. And it just happened that he had terrible injuries on the years where you're supposed to be reaping the benefits from it. Yeah, that's that's no criticism of the front office whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, you had to pay him. Yeah. Um, but then we got the Steph contract coming up, so he's on contract through next year. I mean, I would bet. I'd say staying in the Bay is what he's going to do because he's going to get whatever offer he wants. But was he 33 right now? So he'd yeah. be 30, 34 at the end of that contract. Or do you give him another max contract this and is, hope that he ages gracefully? Well, this is where I, I've talked about the the criticism of the GM, the front office. This is where I would be really pissed. if they're, So, so the, Warriors, the Warriors owe it to Steph Curry to not build for the future. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like they, Absolutely. they, the blueprint of what not to do is I've already talked about football once is to do what Green Bay did, <laughs> and they traded up. They have Aaron Rodgers, who has been you know under supported in terms of like the talent they put around him, and they trade up to draft his replacement, Jordan Love. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so that is what the the Warriors cannot try to bridge the gap between relevance now and relevance in the future. They as like especially just because as much of what. Steph Curry has did and what means to the Warriors franchise, they owe it to him that if yeah. he wants to stay, they should, you know, leave no stone unturned in terms of war chest assets to make it better. That's why I think we talked about Wiseman. I think Wiseman has to go. I think yeah. they, they trade Wiseman. And I told you I was gonna bring him some mock trades. I couldn't find any really relevant. Oh man. I got some names for you though. Ooh, How about I, that? Can I interject with something real quick? Yeah. So let me find this real quick. You're talking about tra- maybe trading. Who are we talking about? James Wiseman. Wiseman yeah, not because. Yeah. Well, so, the reason is he's not ready to win now. And like I said, oh, you yeah. owe it to Curry. You owe it to Clay. You owe it to Draymond to do everything you can to help them win now. Right. I'm. I'm with you. This is just. This is what uh, Steve Kerr said when asked about him. We just didn't have a sense of how raw he would be because he only had three college games. Can we get James up to speed to match the timeline of our three core guys? That's a great question, and we don't know the answer. Uh, not necessarily uh, 
signs of encouragement out of your head coach. Yeah. Also, he left out uh, Andrew Wiggins of the core guys. <laughs> that's true. That That's a, a great – what's great about that quote is Steve Kerr says, we didn't know how raw he was going to be because he never played any competitive because basketball. Because he's very raw, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like if he would have played more games, we would have known how raw he is. Wow, what a what a <laughs> what a glean into the uh, the scouting process. I right. just yeah. So so you have Wiseman, who even though he wasn't great, he's still you know a lot of potential. You have the Minnesota pick. They probably won't end up owing a pick next year because the Ubre trade it was a protected pick, and if it didn't meet the protections, it falls to a second round pick. Uh huh. So they'll have they have this year's their pick. They'll have next year's pick, and then they will pick somewhere in the line, so they can't trade a bunch of it. But they have the Minnesota pick, and they have several of their own picks. Right. And they, it's, I think it is, it is offensive to those guys, especially Steph, if they keep them. Like, I mean, think of, he shouldn't have to ask, like, he shouldn't have to ask to be competitive. You know what I mean? If, if he's going to stay, you owe it to him to be terrible after he leaves. And if you don't commit to that, commit to we're going to be terrible because we're going to give away anything you know, potentially good in the future, he mm-hmm. has every right to leave. Like, think about, like, the other great teams that are trying to win now. The L.A. teams have no first-round picks. No. The Bucks no first-round picks. The Nets, no first-round picks. The Suns went and got 35-year-old Chris Paul. The Jazz <laughs> gave Rudy Gobert $200 million because it makes him competitive now. If you want to be competitive and you have, especially when you have an aging guy who's playing like an MVP – you owe it to him to empty out your draft assets and empty out your young players and just try to build good players now. Absolutely. And I and if I had to guess, I think that's what they would do. I think they're gonna be able to try to prolong Steph's competitive, you know, career as long as possible. Um, uh, because they have the three guys kinda on that same timeline. So I think they will, you know, I, well, if it's just one guy. It's like like think about the Kobe and in LA, yeah. like those teams were so bad. They were terrible. But it, I mean, that wasn't even because they were trying to be competitive for Kobe. It was just they <laughs> they didn't want to do wrong. Like they just wanted to yeah. do right by Kobe. Right. But I just like the fact that they didn't trade the number two pick, or that they mm-hmm. wanted to draft Wiseman because, and it was like the leak was they wanted a bridge between now and the future. Shows that they're not like think about the Bucks. The Bucks way overpaid for. What's his tits? For Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday, yeah. Yeah. The 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 Sixers or the, the Clippers gave up a blank check for Paul George. Oh my god. Like you yeah. you pay you know I mean Anthony Davis basically came out and said, I want to go to the Lakers. Like like you know what I mean? Like he wasn't gonna be happy about going to any other team and the Lakers still gave up a ton to get him, even right. though there was no competition. They're overpaying because they're doing what like they're not concerned about being stingy or making sure they get a good deal, is that they want to win. And the fact that they have Wiseman on the roster means they aren't that concerned or aren't that desperate, I guess you could say, for lack of a better word, to win out. And so I think like like they should be active. Any fringe all-star player that would come play, they should make calls. Like, here are some names. Do you want to hear some names that I came up with, yeah, Seth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. mentioned one of them. I don't know if he's a great fit. De'Aaron Fox. Yeah. I don't know if he fits, but he I just went through so you have the Wiseman, you have Wiseman, not the Wiseman, you have Wiseman, you have the Minnesota pick. You will you can't trade it now, but once it once they land in the lottery. I don't know if they land in the lottery, but so it's top twenty protected. So once it guarantees to fall into the top twenty, they get the pick back. The pick that they owe for the Kelly Ubi trade. 
Right. So they'll have. Is it this... in any way related to the Timberwolves pick? Like if the, they the pick don't... itself? No, I okay. do know that it. The Timberwolves gave him a second round pick too. Is what I learned. Do you know okay. that? Because huh. it. So if <laughs> it's they're, they're so confusing. So if what? So if the if the the Warriors fall into the top twenty this year, the twenty twenty their twenty twenty two first round pick, they keep it. And okay. then the 2021 Minnesota second round pick goes to... Okay, goes to OKC. OKC, yeah. So, I mean, they will. They'll be in the top 20. Mm-hmm. So they have this year's pick and next year's pick. They can't trade both in consecutive years, but they can trade one of them. So they can trade... So basically, you can put together a package of Wiseman, the OKC pick, and probably two or three of your own first round picks. Mm-hmm. That is a real... There's a lot there. And especially when you consider like these, you know, kind of like the Nets or the... Um, or the Drew Holiday trade is that the teams are betting on the back end of the first round picks being valuable because the team tries to win now and sacrifices right. the future. So there's real value in a potential, you know, Wiseman plus three first round picks, including one of them being a most likely a really high lottery pick. So I mentioned De'Aaron Fox. The team will just say screw it, build around Halliburton. And it's hard to not say Bradley Beal because he's just really good and the team is bad, but I don't think he's going anywhere. Right. Uh, Pascal Siakam, similarly. Good on a bad team. I think he would fit really well with the Warriors. I would like, yeah. Yep. And then Carl Anthony Towns. <laughs> Not how a chance. Fun would it be? The fun, the fun part about that is in basically all of these, they have to send out salary, which is going to be Wiggins to match. So bring Wiggins back to Minnesota. Who says no? For the reason. Who says no? <laughs> James Wiseman, Andrew Wiggins, three first round picks, including getting your pick back. Yeah. For Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, team D'Lo up with with Wiggins. Now. I love it. Um, yeah, it's. <laughs> I agree with you. They should be as active as possible. Whatever, whatever's out there. Like you, right now, we honestly have no idea what's what's going to be available. Uh, things change so fast too. But I'm 100 percent with you that they should be looking for any avenue they can to just acquire more talent. I I kind of the deer and fox thing intrigues me. First of all, not be, like you said, don't love the fit. But if the Warriors want to be, like, you know, they're talking about wanting to bridge, that is a great bridge to That's have. That's true. Because he's actually um, good now and can be good exactly. in the future. Yeah. Exactly. And very young. Yeah. Um, so that's intriguing. Yeah. And then he but, might, like, I, I think it's not as crazy as it sounds that the Kings would trade him because they're not, the Kings aren't good. You know what I mean? Does he fit there? Like, they could just commit to the rebuild with Halliburton. Halliburton which and Wiseman. Doing forever. I'm just saying, like, like De'Aaron Fox is already off his rookie deal. They don't have any other player around his age that's any good. <laughs> I just started thinking, what about a Marvin Bagley, James Wiseman front guard? Dude, say less. <laughs> oh, my God. That speeds up the tank for them, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, that's my dream. Okay, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm all for this now. Please good. let this okay, happen. Okay, good, good, good. Okay, can I, can I back this up a little bit? Yes. So we look at how the financials are right now. We didn't even mention Andrew Wiggins. He's on a contract for two more years at max money. Mm-hmm. So that's three max contracts, not including Draymond's three more seasons of over $25 million a year. So clearly, as you can see, the money is an issue. Um, so how do they create space to acquire talent? Obviously, you'd like to heat off the Wiggins contract, just like the well, the good did, news you know? is The good news is he... If you load up with draft picks, he is right. good contract match. He's good salary match for any Absolutely. good player. But, that, but like you're saying, that's the well, – depending on what the Warriors want to do, because you're going to have to send out further compensation with Wiggins. 
you know, Wiggins is not the compensation. He's not a plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Um, Which is why the Timberwolves had to send that very lightly protected first-round pick with Wiggins for D'Angelo Russell. Anyway, so let's say that that they can't get off it. They can't move off that contract. So what do they do? The best way to get players for cheap is to have them on the rookie deal, get young guys. Uh, Like you said, currently they have James Wiseman. Um, Currently they're at like 13th draft position, I think. Not like they're in the they're in the worst spot, not good enough to have playoff success and not bad enough to have a really good draft pick, you know? Right. So if the Wolves do fall out of the top three in that and let's say it's number four, could the Warriors potentially have the fourth and thirteenth pick that could add two more contributors next year? Plus you look at and I hate all of these players, Jordan Poole, I like Eric Pascal and then Damon Lee. I like him. Yeah. I I, I hate Jordan Poole and Damon Lee, but but what those are, they are they're cheap, non-geared contracts where they could provide some depth um, next season. But let's say everyone comes back healthy. They lose Oubre because he's, he's only on contract for this year. But say you get someone like Jalen Green in the draft at number four. Uh, that's just more talent around Steph. And I just, I can't talk myself into this, though. Like, that is one of their options, but I can't talk myself I can't into either, doing this. Because I don't know how much, I mean, that's the best case scenario with the ping pong walls. Yeah, absolutely. And how does it? Like, I mean, and the Wiseman was supposed to be this, and it's been a failure. I mean, not that mm-hmm. he's a failure, but he's just not good now. He's not a bridge guy. He's a project. Right. So it's it's you're 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 just looking at you get two lottery picks, one of them a high lottery pick, but there's no guarantee they're going to be competitive now. And it might just be that you're just wasting it. You know, more good years with your guys while you're waiting for your rookies to you know be contributors. I I agree, and I mean. But there's also a chance that, I mean, this goes horribly wrong. Steph and Clay don't age very gracefully, you know? And they just go through a very dark, irrelevant stretch. I just, I can't, I I mean, I'm sorry. I I can't see them aging not gracefully because they're they're too good at shooting. Do you know what I mean? Oh, you said, you mean like not aging gracefully? Yes, I can't see them not aging gracefully. Yes. Gotcha, gotcha. I do too. And that's one thing that doesn't go. But question for you. More likely in the the next six or seven years, uh, playoff series wins or top seven draft picks? Next, how many are six or seven? Yeah, it should be. They should have zero draft picks because they should trade them, and I'm gonna be pissed if they don't. Well, I, I don't. I mean, like by by lottery, ping pong ball. It's gotta balling. be. It's gotta be. It's gotta be draft picks. Top seven draft picks. Yeah, playoffs. It, I yeah, completely agree. Yeah, I, I just I, I can't see them. You know, winning a playoff series is so hard. Versus these several years that as these guys age, they won't be <laughs> that competitive. You know what I mean? But they've got to try to be competitive. That's yeah. Um, I, it's it's tough to do. It's really tough to do when uh, when you have good players and have to pay them. Yeah, <laughs> it's, that's, it's a that's, real problem to have. That is the problem. Yeah. I I damn it! I said I wasn't going to bring up the Timberwolves. Right. But but you did. You just cat. So that opened the door. Mm-hmm. There is a universe. I don't know if it's this universe. I really don't. I I highly doubt it's this universe. There's a universe where the Timberwolves win this trade, um, and win it. In a laughable fashion. How's that? So, as of right now, when Conte Towns and D'Angelo Russell play, they're 8-6 and six when they play together. Just those two guys. Which is an encouraging sign for the Timberwolves because they haven't had either of those guys healthy right. at any point since they got them, right? Let's say they finish, they get, uh, they get the second pick overall, right? This year. Right. So the Wolves keep the pick. And they get, I don't know, doesn't matter if it's... It could be Evan Mobley, I would hope. I mean, let's number, say, Cunningham's going number one. Right, that's what I'm saying. So it's not him. Or, so pick your yeah. favorite guy that's not him. 
Yeah, Evan Mobley or uh, Jalen Suggs would be a really good. Or Jalen Green, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> or Jalen, and then that would mean that they that the Timberwolves have to send their pick the first Next round year, pick I'm for protected. the following year. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No matter where it falls. So let's just say they get more talent, and the Timberwolves maybe not make maybe maybe the the, the ten seed, and they end up getting. So the pick they sent out is the 13th overall pick right. for the Warriors the following year. Um, and the Timberwolves end up having you know decent success with the, with the talented roster. And let's say that Andrew Wiggins' contract just hamstrings them completely and they can't move off of it without parting with things that they find or think are too valuable, such as draft picks. And that really <laughs> doesn't allow the Warriors to, to get the talent they need to make uh, the Warriors competitive. Mm-hmm. So, so the, I'm just saying. So the Timberwolves, saying the Timberwolves win the trade by one getting the lottery luck, which history tells us the Timberwolves will not. Right. Just because that's a big. That's are. a big point. Yes. And then also, the that's right. And then also, the 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 Wiggins contract is so bad that right. it becomes more of a burden than the plus of getting the draft pick was. Yes, because it ends up being like the 13th right, pick for, or something. The following year. I think I don't. You know, I don't want to say this because I don't. You know, it's it's fun to kind of jest at the Timberwolves, but I do hope they have some success. That being Thank said, you, that being said, <laughs> oh, uh, just statistically, if they're the, the worst team in the league record-wise, they have a sixty percent chance of losing the pick this year, and that number yeah. only gets bigger because right now I think they're the second, right? The Rockets are worse. I don't know. Is there any Eastern Conference team? Um, I think it's the Pistons or no Magic. Maybe. So they, I mean, they are. It's it's the Magic Pistons are all right there. So so yeah. there's a very and they're much more actively trying to lose than the Timberwolves. Yeah, the Timberwolves have won two in a row. Like what the hell are they doing? <laughs> so there there's a very real chance in which they have the fourth worst record in the league. Which I don't have the odds in front of me, but the odds of that being a top four pick are probably obviously like, only decreased like thirty yeah. percent. Yeah. So uh, the lottery is going to be exciting. With that for, in mind, for me, yeah. or it could be horrible. We'll see. Well, it's just it, it's it's going to be exciting. You know, I'm like, uh, I'm like, uh, what's his name, Doctor Strange or whatever, flipping through all the universes, <laughs> all, uh, the, yeah. out, all the, yeah, uh, all the, one, right. all the scenarios <laughs> playing. Okay, yeah. all right, good Warriors talk. While we're on talking about the Warriors, that they are firmly in the play-in game, we were going to just kind of look at the the standings, how the play-in game is um, is shaping up, and you know, look at some matchups we might see. I do just want to overview the play-in game kind of before we start that. A few weeks ago, uh, our guy Luca was critical of the play-in format. That it's just, you know, that it's one game when you've done a season-long marathon. That one game can end your season. Uh, it sucks because the play-in game is definitely here to stay. It's oh, great yeah. for the NBA and it's great for fans. NBA loves it because less teams tanking. So now that there's ten teams that are in. There's what like twelve teams that are competing. Like you know, right. with three weeks left in the season, there's twelve teams each conference competing, which means just less teams tanking. Also, with less lottery odds, you know, there's even less incentives to tank. So, the NBA likes that more meaningful basketball at the end of the season. The playing game itself is going to be electric. Like, this one-game eliminations game oh. is going to be awesome to watch. And not to mention that, but but seeding matters even more so now because getting a top six seed is much more valuable. And, you know, I, I, from seven to eight doesn't, you know, doesn't necessarily matter that much. But between seven and eight and nine to ten matters a lot, too. So, there's obviously always jostling at the end of the season, but... Now that there's more, you know, hard lines of different seeds, it just there's more to play for, so it's just more fun to watch. Yeah. And what I am just while we're on this, what I am fascinated by, and you know, I guess we'll have to wait and see as this kind of plays out, is how the visual of 
making the playing game looks for like a coach or a franchise, you know, like a coach's career. Right. Like, like a franchise like the Hornets or the Bulls that are, you know, hungry for a playoff appearance. Like, I'm sure they'll see it as a win being the 10 seed, even if they lose the first, you know what I mean? Even if they make the actual playoffs, but mm-hmm. making the postseason, you know, quote unquote postseason, you know, can be a really good thing. And, and, um, you know, the, the Hornets this year, who I think they're the eighth seed, but there's a good chance they'll fall, but, you know, who really want a, a playoff appearance, being the nine or 10 seed is a huge victory. Or, you know, previous years being the 10 seed. Just well, good try, I guess. You know, you weren't bad enough to get a good pick. You know? Yeah, yeah. Or even even the Pacers, who this year have been disappointing, but they're in the playing game, so it's still mm-hmm. a postseason appearance, so it's not as bad. You know, and the, I mentioned the Bulls, who you know, there's a very real chance they don't make the playing game, but you know, and expectation wise, they wanted to make the playoffs this year, not just the play in game. And you know, it'll be interesting to see that they're a team that you know next year, obviously, they'll have a full season with their roster. The expectations will be to make the playoffs, and if they don't even, you know, if they don't make the play-in game or they make the play-in game and lose, like how will that reflect on you yeah. know, the coaches being on the hot seat? Versus, you know, like we'll we'll never know for sure how that matters, but but just kind of how teams value how franchises value making the play-in game and losing versus making the playoffs. Do you know what I mean? I know what I, you mean, and I think also with that kind of like on the flip side, you you mentioned Indiana, who's had guys in and out of the lineup all year just can't stay healthy yeah it gives those good teams like one last chance if you can get healthy at the right time you might not have had a great season but if you can put it together at the end of the season hang around yeah you can you can you can still get in yeah yeah. so i love i I love it i love the format i i don't know if i would love as much if my team was in it especially (laughs) if my team was a seven seed because the seven seed the seven seed really is the one that kind of gets shafted the most because you historically are, you know, you're clear of missing the playoffs, and now you're basically just a home court advantage is all you have mm-hmm. over the eight seed. But you still have to. There's still a very real world scenario in which you miss the playoffs as a seven seed. All right, yeah. so so let's get into specifics a little bit. Okay, okay. So two weeks from this Friday, May fourteenth, that's the last day of the regular season, and then that next Tuesday, the eighteenth, we'll start the play in, and it'll go through the twenty first. And on the twenty second, we get playoff basketball. I'm I'm so pumped for that. Uh, uh, yeah. So currently in the West, we'll have uh, seven and eight. Seven is Portland. Eight is Memphis. Uh, nine is San Antonio, and ten is Golden State. And as we know with this, this is going to change. Yeah. Multiple times before this episode even comes out. <laughs> and then. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just we'll, we'll talk about the West for a second, can we? Yeah. Were you, were you going to transition to the East that you said in? I was going to I was going to mention them. Um, but let's talk about the West. Well, yeah, here. I just that it feels like we already have our four teams that the Pelicans at the 11th seed. They're they're four games out, but they do play the Warriors twice going forward. So it's just the door is not closed completely for the Pelicans that, they, you know, if they win both of those games, it gets a little interesting. But I mm-hmm. besides that, I mean, these are the four teams. Portland. Who, Dallas is too good right now. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're playing well. Portland, who we mentioned has been in free fall. They're only one and a half games up on Golden State in the 10th seed. Portland's seven, Golden State's 10. You know, it's very easy to see Golden State, or very easy to see Portland losing more. And a Damian Lillard, Steph Curry elimination playing game oh would be electric. I just, if they're, can you imagine if they're 9 10 or, you know, Portland is seven and they lose and Golden State wins the 9 10 game and they're playing for the eighth seed? Like, that would be awesome. I mean, it's essentially a, a game seven, you know, like yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. type of environment. Just one game between Steph and Dame to just duke it out. Yeah. Who do you? So there, there's 
Not much separation at all between these four teams. Yeah. Who do you like for your seven and who do you like for your ten? Man, this is I think the seven and eight teams are the teams that are gonna get in, but I I think the Memphis is gonna beat Portland if they I like, get matched up. I like Memphis for the seven. Is that what you're yeah, gonna say? That's what I'm saying, okay. yeah. And honestly, out of these it's I wanna choose the Spurs really bad because I love the way they play basketball, but the problem is we're talking about one game right one game scenario. Right. Am I taking DeMar DeRozan ahead of Steph or Dame in a one game matchup? Absolutely not. I just can't you know, can't yeah. talk myself into that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it is hard to say, but but the Spurs had the hardest and most longest se- second half of the season, so they had the most difficult in terms of strength of schedule, and they played the most games because they had a lot of games canceled because of COVID. Mm-hmm. They had both of those with a young team, and they're they're still fine. Like like they haven't they've fallen off a little bit, but they've been relatively good. I think they've won like seven of ten. Coming down the stretch, so yeah, they're seven and three in the last ten. Yeah, so yeah, and so and, and I, I don't know. It's they're definitely playing. I think they're the second best team right now. But like you said, it's just one game. It doesn't matter who's you know the best team on paper. It's a game seven. Right. It's gonna, who's gonna come and win? I oh, I just I. It's hard to pick against Steph because with with in this one game elimination where the season's already kind of a bust, he's just gonna he's just gonna jack. You know what I mean? Yeah, this could, be be the, so this could be the this could be the twenty five three attempts. It's gonna be so <laughs> fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'm gonna go. I think Memphis at the seven, and I'll say Portland at the eight. I think. Yeah, that's where I'm at. I yeah. I just think they're gonna bounce back from this tough stretch that they're on. I do too. When you have that much offensive firepower too, with uh, CJ and Dame, I just it's it's tough to match up against that in, in a one game. Yeah, matchup. I used to do. Yeah. Okay. Let's take a look at the East, which, as we know, is, <laughs> as always, um, as wild as it gets. It's fun compared yeah. to the West. The East is so, fun. Yeah, yeah. Right. So right now we got uh, Miami as the 7, Charlotte as the 8, Indiana at the 9, and Washington at the 10. Now, 11 and 12 are the Bulls and the Raptors. They have identical records, and they are both one game behind the Wizards. So one of those three teams is going to get in, Washington, Chicago, or Toronto. Um, because Indiana and Washington, I think there's a three-game difference between 9 and 10. Right, yeah. But on the flip side, we have the Celtics at the 6, who are a half game ahead yes. of the Heat. That is what I was... I mean, the the, the who's going to sneak into the 10s is interesting, but what's so fun to me is the conference finals in the East from last year, yeah. they're fighting to miss the playing game. The two yes. teams that made the conference finals in the East, one of them's going to be in the playing game. I that That, to me, is more... I mean... Maybe as a fan, it'll be fun to see how it ends. But see how the six seven is. I think it's gonna be really interesting because there's a lot on the line. It's so for important. Those teams. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I guess so we're gonna talk the rest of the team. So, shot Indiana, like you said, they're in some order eight and nine. I keep waiting for the Pacers to start being good, but they just can't get healthy. You know. It, yeah. That Miles Turner is out indefinitely with a toe injury. Whatever his name, TJ Warren's still out. He's um, done. Like he won't play at all this year. Yeah, yeah. Sabonis so is like has back problems. It's just they they feel a lot like the pace or the um, the Pacers feel a lot like the Blazers. Yeah. In that, actually, they're very similar. That at the beginning of the season, you could see them winning a playoff series, but they're not. You don't see them as a finals contender at all. Mm-hmm. And they've just been. They just cannot all be healthy. Like they have not gone. Neither team has gone without a major injury or or an injury to a major player at any one time. I I, I tend to in these one game scenarios that we're talking about, I tend to lean towards 
a guy that can take over a game. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. And you know, when you look at when you look at Indiana, Sabonis is a stud, you know, but he can't just single handedly take over a game the way they're matching up with Washington, the way Russ or Bradley Beal can. Yeah. From a scoring aspect, you know, I don't know, man. That <laughs> I think. Well, I'm so curious to see Washington in the playing game because, like I said, like or like you said, Russ and Bradley Beal could explode in a one game series. But, but Russ, could all, yeah. Russ could also have a terrible game mm-hmm. and could just totally shoot them out of it. By you know, force, just forcing it. Yeah, and, and again, we can't count out the Raptors and the Bulls are still there. The Bulls, boy, missing the playing game would be a brutal result for this season. That They gave up a, it is a very lightly protected pick that they owe to the Magic this year. So that could be like a, a 6, 7, 8 range for the pick that they give up to the Magic this year. Which I mean, is, to go all in for that and then... To miss, yeah, to miss the yeah, and they, I mean, failure. they, they've had some health. Like Levine's been out with with mm-hmm. like COVID protocols, and and you know they, they've had some struggles. There's been some, I guess, growing pains, and and it's just yeah, it's just boy. They, to me, they're the team that because you know Zach Levine has been not unhappy, but been frustrated with the. I said not unhappy, but frustrated. There's a very <laughs> synonymous. He's been less than happy with the lack of success the Bulls had, and that him not making All Star game. He made the All Star game, but I think them not. Like, like I mentioned with the implications of the play-in game, them, if they don't make the play-in game, I don't think any team has more pressure to make the playoffs than the Bulls next year in terms of the, you know, fringe teams. Yeah, I mean, here's a quick here's a quick snapshot of the Bulls right now. They played, a, I think it was just last night, a lineup of Laurie Markkinen at the three, Tice at the four, and Vucevic at the five. Wow, Markkinen at the three, stretch three. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's tough, but... but I don't know. I don't even know what to say. That's just that's tough. I mean, that's the that's the. I mean, I do, state I'm, of the Bulls. I'm, right I'm now. rooting for them. I hope it. I I don't really care to see the Raptors. No, I'll be. It'd just be much more fun to see the Bulls or the Wizards. Either one, I'd be happy with in the play-in game. And then I like I like uh, Heat Celtics. Whoever that is, I think they're gonna win. And then who knows if Lamelo's healthy? Don't count out Charlotte. Same with with Hayward, you know that getting those. Two oh yeah, he should be back. I mean, because Lamelo's like almost close. Back. Yeah, yeah, close. I haven't heard about Hayward, but you know, with the ankle injury, he should be relatively but, like be able to ramp it up quickly. You know what I mean? The question is like, how quickly do you get back into the flow? You know? Yeah, that's true. It takes that's a while to, to kind of break true. it back. And in. it's just so, one game, right? Know, that that he's gonna that the play in is. So it's not like a seven game series where you can kind of work your way back. Yeah, if they can get like the last seven games of the season or something like that, um, with Hayward no minutes restriction, something like that, uh, it would it would be huge for them. But right now, Charlotte still played really good basketball. That's the thing. I don't know if I would bet against them to be in the eighth yeah. seed. That's a team that just kind of doesn't care if anyone else uh, believes that they have a chance to win. Right, Those dudes right. just go play basketball every night uh, and believe that they're going to come out on top. So I guess if I had to tell you that the the way that the seven through ten is right now, who are you? Where are you lining these? Guys like up? I said, whoever the if it's the Heat right now or Celtics, whoever that is, I am yep. huge favorite for them to stay at seven. Even with no TJ Warren, if the the Blazers or if the Pacers can get healthy besides him, I I like them to mm-hmm. be the next best team. But I don't. I mean, like Miles Turner, it's like indefinitely with a toe injury. Yeah. So I don't. I just don't know if they'll be healthy. I also. So speaking of you, you said crystal ball prediction. I just the Miles Turner Sabonis. It's just, it's not that effective for how good they are mm-hmm. individually. 
I, I, I was thinking, so say, so we have this year and then we have this off season and then next year, next off season. So that's next year's 2022. So by the start of the 2023 season, so basically two more seasons, two more off seasons, two more playoffs, two more off seasons. The Pacers have either won a playoff series or the team looks dramatically different than it does now. I guess the question is, what is dramatically? Does that mean like, does that mean like Sabonis or Turner, one of the two, are gone, or both, or Malcolm Brogdon, or mm-hmm. because I mean they have an, they have an expensive team, just a lot of pretty expensive players. I I would say that they win a playoff series before that happens. Okay, um, if you gave me two years, my money's not on this year. I can tell you that. Yeah. Um, I just think there's so much talent there. I think I got Doug McDermott off the bench, one of the best players I've ever seen. Well, he's play. a free agent. Are they gonna <laughs> are they gonna go into the I mean they I think they have to go into the tax to pay him because I think they're right up on the tax. They, I'll be honest, they they love Coach Borkin Borkman loves uh Doug McDermott and what he provides. Well we're gonna see um, how much he, he loves him. As he should. Okay, you know. okay, okay. <laughs> All right, what are you? Who who are your who's your seven eight? Uh Heat Celtics at seven, whichever one that is. And then I can't this is my paying my respects to the Hornets for cutting them out of last week. Uh, the I love watching the Hornets. Yeah, that's fine. I'm fine with it. I don't. Um, and it. like you said, it I'd be. It's hard to count them out. Yeah, especially if they get those guys back. All right, good. All right, moving Splasher Pass. Yes. So Splasher Pass. Every week we take NBA news, rumors, gossip, drama that we couldn't fit into the main story, and we talk about it. We give our own spin on it based on if we like it or if we don't. But instead of just splashing or passing, whether or not we like it, splash or pass it, don't. We put a new twist. We put a different criteria based on something we're talking about in the NBA. So this week, our first splasher pass, our criteria is, in recent history of the Golden State Warriors, how did your team perform relative to the expectations in the playoffs? Is that phrased well? How did they? How did your team perform in the playoffs based on the expectations going into the playoffs? How about that? Yes. Is yeah. Splash, is it the 2007 We Believe Warriors, who as an 8th seed came in and beat the number 1 seeded Dallas Mavericks? Or pass on the 73-9 and nine Warriors, who as the greatest regular season team of all time did not win the championship. Which I still don't love because they were within one game of winning the championship. <laughs> but but I guess didn't. it's true. They were supposed to win and they didn't. Okay. What they say, it doesn't mean a thing without the ring. mean a thing ring. without the ring, that's right. Yeah. Alright, so... Are we Splash 2007? Is that what we're saying? We believe. Do, can we do the year? Okay. Yeah, sure. Are we Splash 2007 or Pass 2016? Okay. Four years. You start. I'm start. So I am I am splashing. I am 2007 Warriors on one Carlton Banks. <laughs> do you know where this is going? Right. <laughs> no. <laughs> Good. Love it. So I don't know if you remember this, Seth. Did you watch a lot of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? Oh, yeah, I love it. Okay, do you remember the episode where Will joins the high school basketball team? Yes. Gets all the glory, takes all the shots. Uh, Carlton gets jealous, steals the inbounds ball, steals the inbounds pass to heave a half-court shot to win the game. Yes. Do you remember this all? So he does this and misses the backboard, which the scene is so fun because they're playing in like an elementary school gym size. Yes. But they're trying to make high school. But anyway, so... So Carlton gets jealous of Will, steals the ball from his teammate to take the game-winning shot, and misses the backboard. And so Denzel Valentine this week oh challenged his inner Carlton. <laughs> this was one of mine. My- oh, was it? <laughs> okay, well, you give it yours after. 
<laughs> I'll, I'll so plug funny. it and you, you tell me what you'll be about. Okay, okay. So, there's, you know, down five with 56 seconds left. Then Zavathan gets to rebound, brings it up the floor. With Jimmy Butler looking at him, eight feet behind the three-point line, pulls up for three, does not even graze the rim, as you would say. Totally <laughs> airballs. Totally airballs. What I loved about this, Seth, was the commentators, the Bulls commentators. They were so spot on. So the, yeah, so the you know so historically not historically, generally the color commentator is more emotional. Like oh that's a good play, that's a bad play. While the play by play guy just kind of tells you what happens. They both hated the shot from the second it left his hand, and they were they did not hide their disgust with that shot. The, this is the negative power of the heat check because he had made three threes. Denzel Valentine made three threes in the quarter to help them come back, but the Carlton asked. Trying to get the glory. What was yours? I'm splashing. What was yours? What was your angle on it? I was splashing too. Uh, I was 2007 <laughs> and just believing in your shot. Shooter shooting. Um, and, and it was a loose term of shooter because he's yeah. a 33% three-point shooter this year, I think. Uh, and I, he he's only really playing because of the Zach Levine injury. Uh, that's the reason he's getting minutes right now. Uh, but th- like you said, the best part was the announcers. As soon as he pulls up, the one just says, no. Yeah. yeah, as, yeah, yeah. As, and the other one goes, oh, my God, Valentine. Yeah. He, so he try, it's like he tries to be like, oh, and Valentine shoots a three, like as a play-by-play guy. But it's in, like, shock in what is – like, I hate that this is happening. Yes. The, it was – oh, God. The, the call is amazing. Go listen to that. But we just talked about the Bulls. You're trying so hard to make the playoffs and you're pulling this shit. Like, <laughs> they got to yeah. be so mad at yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, yeah, that's hilarious that we both had. That's good. I, I was wondering, I, I figured eventually we would have, we would overlap. Yeah, I, that's the first time probably, right? It is the first time, yeah. Okay, let me see here. I am, I am 2007, we believe, on never giving up, maybe even believing in yourself when no one else does. So, at 34 years young, Hashim Pete is apparently looking to make an NBA comeback. Oh, good, good. Uh, for those who don't know, Hashim Tabi was once the second overall pick of the Grizzlies, right behind number one pick Blake Griffin, and right in front of uh, number three pick James Harden. At the Grizzlies, wish they would have picked him. Mm. Uh, the beat did play in parts of five NBA seasons, but is is one of the latest biggest busts in right. basketball. Him and Anthony Bennett, you know. Um, but the reason that the beat couldn't hang in the NBA was because one raw skill set being very one dimensional. Just blocking rims, at, uh, shots at the rim, and then being seven three with a big frame and very f- slow foot speed. So, if there's one type of player right now that really thrives in the NBA, <laughs> it's that? the huge, especially slow, unskilled big. You know, especially older and less athletic. Now. Exactly. So, I mean, seven years ago we saw him last in the league, and uh, he he's been since playing in Japan and Taiwan. Apparently, just won a uh, Taiwanese MVP. So, Hashim Tabit is back, and he's ready to dominate the NBA. He can't be a bust if he keeps playing, you know? There's always a chance. Yeah, good. That he reaches potential. <laughs> That's a good one. I didn't know that. Good for him. Uh, okay, so I am... My second one, I am splashing. I'm all splashing this week. I'm positive. Bringing the positivity. Ooh, yeah. I, like I am that. 2007 Warriors on one David Mamet. I don't know how to pronounce this. Mahomet. Mm. Are you familiar with this guy? No. I can't believe you're not. He is a... Pulitzer Prize winning playwright, film director, screenwriter, and author. Didn't win the Pulitzer Prize in all of those, but he's won the Pulitzer Prize and he does all of those things. Let's clear that up. In his, a, a film with a, what a ma- with the master class. Have you seen those? 
Oh, yeah, yeah. So he, he does a master class on writing. Okay. In his master class on writing, he teaches the keys to writing a compelling first chapter of a book. And this must be going around that people are getting a hold of this and are writing compelling chapters of books. Because uh, LeBron James uh, put out and then deleted a controversial tweet. And we're not, we don't want to talk like politics or, we're not, so we're not going to talk about the tweet itself. But this tweet was met with, uh, we'll say some criticism. And people that opposed it called him out for not being opposed or not being informed on what he was talking about. Which, that's not political, right? I'm just recapping the events. Uh, So, in in lieu of people criticizing LeBron for not being informed or maybe speaking on something he doesn't have all the information of, that people criticized or were critical of him, not necessarily that he did or that he didn't. I'm not saying any stance. Keeping nice and safe. But, in lieu of this, something went around the internet screenshots of LeBron over the years reading books while being very public, like walking into an arena or on an exercise bike, but very publicly reading books, and he is always on the first few pages of the book, (laughs) including uh, last year he posted on Instagram reading an autobiography of Malcolm X. When he was asked about the book, he gave an answer that even Sparknotes will be disappointed in the lack of specificity because he was so very generic in his answer. And I don't think this is fair, criticizing LeBron for pretending to read big books or smart things. That's obviously not what's happening. What's happening is David Muhammad and others do such a great job of writing the opening chapter of books that you just keep reading the beginning over and over because it's so compelling. Ooh. So it's not fair that LeBron's being criticized when he just can't stop reading incredible openings to books. Like guys like David David, David <laughs> Muhammad, Mehmet are writing. So I'm splashing on... Incredible book openings because clearly like that's that. been going around. I like that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm splashing that too. Now that you talk about it, <laughs> um, I am 2016 uh, on standing up for family. Now I know this sounds backwards when you know when the, when a family member is getting dragged on social media. You want to be there uh, to support them and back them up. I'm passing on that. So CJ McCollum has an older brother named Eric McCollum, who is also a professional basketball player. He is playing in Russia currently. Now, he fell to the same fate that the Orlando Magic social media account did just a few weeks ago, um, and that is not understanding defensive rating. He was conversing with someone on Twitter, and he didn't like the fact that this other person suggested CJ should come off the bench and and just be a heater off the bench due to his limitations on defense. So Eric responded saying that the average defensive rating is 110.6 in the NBA, and that CJ's was 113.5 proving that he's an above average defense <laughs> he's above average defensively and even added that every evaluating metric proves this to make matters worse he started the tweet off with and i quote i speak facts not opinion ba- and biases uh, and then just told a flat out lie so <laughs> i don't know if it's a lie because he's not intentionally dishonest right but he but he ended with saying that every uh, defensive metric or evaluating metric proves this mm. And the one that he used did not. <laughs> right, right. It's, it's, I'm better at golf because I'm shooting more than you. Exactly. I take more shots, <laughs> yeah. Uh, obviously, he was made known of his unique interpretation of the stat and just kind of chose to ignore it and kept tweeting about how uh, people know nothing about basketball. Mm. <laughs> that's when, when when people push back, that's what you always do. You just don't know basketball. <laughs> you don't know the game, yeah. Okay, good. That's funny. That's really funny. All right, I am... 
2007, I am splashing on Mason Plumley. Oh, yes. Yeah. Mason Plumley no longer has the title of worst positioning while defending a seven out of bounds play in recent memory. So we all remember from the 2020 conference finals, the Nuggets playing the Lakers. Lakers are down one. Was it just down one or is it down two? I think just, oh, maybe it was two. I can't remember. Okay, Lakers were down in amount of points. Mason Plumlee gets subbed into the game to be a defensive specialist. And as Anthony Davis kind of half runs off a LeBron screen, Mason Plumlee runs in, goes out of his way to run into the screen and try to get somebody to switch on to Anthony Davis. Totally blows defensive assignment, leaves Anthony Davis wide open for a three that he hit. This was terrible, but it has been usurped by three-time defensive player of the year, Rudy Gobert. Playing against the Timberwolves, he is guarding Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns screens, or maybe they screen, they kind of screen for each other, him and D'Angelo Russell. Mike Conley, who's guarding D'Angelo Russell, switches on to Carl Anthony Towns as he pops at the top of the key. Gobert, very late in his play, well after it's obvious that Conley has committed to the switch, <laughs> panic does not switch, flies out to Carl Anthony Towns, leaving D'Angelo Russell to slip for a wide-open layup out of this sideline on the bounce play. Now, I know the stakes were much higher for Plumlee, you know, in the conference finals. But at least Mason Plumlee remembered that you stay between your man and the basket. He didn't forget that defensive principle, that philosophy. While, while Rudy Gobert, while being one of, the defense, one of the best defensive players in modern history, just totally f- abandons all defensive principles and scrambles out the double-team a guy that doesn't have the ball. So, good on Rudy Gobert for taking some of the pressure off Mason Plumlee for one of the boneheaded defensive plays in recent memory. Rudy Gobert one-ups him. And so, he pressure sure off. did. Good job, Plumley. Plum dog millionaire. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right. Cool. I think that's everything. Good. Good app. Uh, are we? Are we gonna? Are we ready to tease what we're gonna talk about next week? Yeah, let's bring it up. Do you know what I'm? Do you know? So next week. Yeah, um, yeah. Tell the people because okay. they I don't know. Wanted to infer to make sure we're committing to this. So next week we are going to debut our first annual. We didn't come up with a name. Our oh, first annual yeah. award show. Uh, the Grazies. The Grazers. The, gra- the yeah. Nah, that's, we're working on it. That's that's part of my take. <laughs> the takeies. Oh, oh. Uh, the rim grazer. The rim grazers. Right. The the. You tell us. How about that? Okay. People? Yeah. You guys fine. The, uh, so we're gonna do our own MVP, most improved, uh, boring. Who cares? All NBA boring. I mean, we'll talk about it extensively when it happens. But we're not here for that. We're gonna do our own awards. We've got our own awards. We're coming up with. And they're going to be electric, so you're not going to want to miss it. We'll be sending out the awards to the players. I think some of them will probably accept it via Zoom because it's going to be a big deal. But um, it's going to be a good time. Don't want to miss that one. The award show. Gosh, we forgot to come up with the name. The award show. (laughs) All right, good. That's fine. That's a ring to it. Cool. That's next week. We'll see you then. Uh, uh, I'll probably talk about P.J. Washington as my favorite player. We'll see. Um, stay tuned. Uh, Logan Martin, play us out. I guess it's back. You're dirty. STL Derby. I'm like magic to Kareem, man. You tell me I ain't worthy. I ain't speaking about Georgia. I'm speaking about income. Did you hear that, Elizabeth? Here comes the big one. I put my money in your community and you got your budget. I want my ass with your advance to the toilet and flush it. My last dance be a stance of general custard. I hot dog cause I can. I got cheese and mustard. I got the stats of a Hall of Famer and just two records. That's why I'm back up at the Super Bowl with Julius Peppers. I got that can't stop, won't stop in my veins. That's why that can't stop, won't stop screaming my name. 
Yeah. 